Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyerup904.com. XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E to the T. All right, good morning, everybody, and uh, happy birthday, David Garrard, author of that Hail Mary pass mm-hmm. that went into the arms of one Mike Thomas eventually, and uh, happy anniversary to my lovely wife. And happy Valentine's Day to the rest of you, except for you two. <laughs> Not wishing you Valentine's Day. Greetings directly, but yeah, uh, how yeah. are you this morning, Tony? I'm good. You're wearing reddish, kind of. Was yeah, that... I got the Tintinic, so yeah. whatever. Jacket. I guess I do have a little red on my T-shirt, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not big for dressing up for holidays, you know? No matter what the holiday is, I don't really uh, participate. I got a Christmas sweater. Do you? I'll pull out of the closet eh. for the party. I'll whatever. put on a sweater if it's yeah. cold, but I don't have any of those no, ugly it's, Christmas it's sweaters. One of those ugly Christmas sweaters. Yeah, yeah. I don't do it for uh, St. Patrick's Day. I don't do it for Cinco de Mayo. I don't do it for uh, don't do it for Halloween, for that matter. Mm. So there you go. Uh, I'm just an old fogey right now. <laughs> Et, good morning. How are you? What's happening? What's you happening? tell me what's happening with you, man. Uh, you know, just another day, another day in the neighborhood. Any prospects to be your Valentine today? <sighs> no. No, uh, ladies. Six four one ten ten. Maybe. All right. Well, uh, we're off and rolling this morning. Glad you're along with us. And uh, in honor of Valentine's Day, where couples get together and uh, share a great time, I'm sure uh, we ask you today: present company excluded, meaning Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. are not allowed to be considered here. Uh, which duo is the best in Jaguars history? And which ones did we miss? And you know, we kind of went over a tone. And yeah, you know, Jimmy and Keenan's obvious. Fred and MJD is obvious. Henderson and Stroud, I think, is obvious as well. Yeah. We went with Coughlin and Brunel. Somebody suggested a pretty good one. Uh, Baselli and Cersei, mm-hmm. um, you know, is their favorite uh, tackle duo in team history. I also had a vote for uh, Boye and Ramsey. Yeah. Too short lived, uh, in my opinion, but uh, it was great. Particularly in 2017, it was yeah. best cornerback duo in the league, easily. Maybe best the cornerback top duo. two corners in the league right. for a year. For, for a year. Yeah. I mean, right, it might have been the best pairing of actual on-field play of yeah. a pair of cornerbacks. In, in, I, I couldn't tell you when yeah. the last time. Yeah, it's not like Jimmy and Keenan were ever the number one and two wide receivers in the league. Correct. Right? You know, like it is just for one year, but yeah. Pretty brilliant. Together. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt about it. So, you know, today is more put the Super Bowl in the rearview mirror and uh, start looking ahead to how the Jags can be that next team that we're talking about, making that run to Super Bowl 58, 59, 60, whichever one it is, uh, hopefully multiple ones. But let's get there once first before we worry too much about it. Uh, part of that, we typically are going to do mock draft Mondays, but yesterday was day after the Super Bowl. But I got a stack of them mm-hmm. that we didn't get to yesterday. So we'll get into all that. 
uh, this morning as well. And uh, talk a little bit about uh, Juwan Taylor, the importance of bringing him back. Uh, with You saw how big offensive line play was in the Super Bowl. You know, I'm a little ticked at myself for not thinking of this because Hassan Reddick brought it up, and I saw somebody else, and I can't remember who it was, mention this as well, at least thinking about it. When you watch that Super Bowl, we talked about the the turf being slippery as yeah. it was, and we praised the offensive line of Kansas City for not allowing that pass rush to get to Patrick Mahomes, but speed rushers need good footing, right, to come blasting off the edge, and I didn't really even think about it. And, you know, they said during the broadcast, if your foot was, like, firmly planted – you seem to be okay, but if you got up on your toes, that's when guys were having the mm-hmm. issues. And, you know, those edge rushers, that's what they do. They get up on their toes, they get down in that three-point stance and fire off the edge, and if you can't get that great footing, you know, that kind of I, – I, you know, and Hassan Reddick even said, look, let's be clear here. I'm not making an excuse. They lost. They outplayed us. They had to deal with it as well. But excuses and reasons, what's the difference? I think it's your point of view on sure. some of that. Yeah. And and I think that's a pretty legit reason why that pass rush might have been neutralized this weekend. Yeah. Saw the uh, quote from Maialata coming out of the Philadelphia locker room where he said, yeah, exactly that. You had to get your foot completely grounded, mm-hmm. right? Like you couldn't do anything up on your toes. So yeah, the offensive line you would think would have an advantage in that situation as opposed to the guy that's trying to create something to just defend something in that moment as the offensive lineman, you'd be easier, I would think, to get grounded when all you're trying to do is block as opposed to rush, right? So the defensive line, I think, was likely at a big disadvantage Yeah. in the Super Bowl a couple nights ago, and that might explain one of the most prolific pass rushers in NFL history having no success. Now, I don't think it explains all of it, because we've seen the Chiefs' offensive line take over games in the yeah, playoffs. sure. Right? So they get credit for having done what they've done, but it does look weird for Philadelphia to be that pass rushing group that they have been all year. For them to play a Super Bowl and not get a sack is a weird number. Well, look, I, like I said, I don't really have a particular rooting interest. I picked no. the Chiefs, so I rooted for the Chiefs in the game. It's whatever, but had the Eagles won, I don't really care all that much. But when you're talking about the biggest advantage one team has – on another team heading into it, and almost universally, it was the Eagles' pass rush, and will they be able to harass Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely, yeah. And then they lose by three in a game where they get zero sacks, two, I think one or two quarterback hits in the entire game. Something like that. And, uh, yeah, that certainly could be I mean, the Chiefs only had two sacks for two yards in the game. Right? Correct. Right, like it's, it's neither team was able to rush the opposing passer. Uh, which is why you had the score that you had in that game ultimately, I think, which that's fine. I'm not saying that the game wasn't entertaining. I think the field affected the way that game was played. And it may that's, have. that's a shame. You know, For it, a Super Bowl, it's a shame. Oh, I, I think the field definitely, sure it did, yeah. right? It affect, but it did it affect one team more than the other? I mean, we're making the case yeah, here that maybe. I don't maybe, know if it affects the ultimate outcome of the Chiefs winning the game. Right. I don't know what the answer to no that idea. is. Uh, it was certainly a fun game to watch. You know, I'm not going to deny that. And is that because both teams couldn't rush the passer? I don't know. I had fun watching the Super Bowl, but I get coming out of it if the league, man, seriously, are you going to even consider putting the players on another field like that for a Super Bowl? What are what are you doing? Um, you know, once you select the site, though, you're yeah. you're locked in. What are you going to do if you show up on Super Bowl Sunday or the week of? 
and you're like, we've got turf problems. You know, you can't change it, nope. right? It is you, what it is. You got to be better in uh, selecting that venue, I suppose. But, I mean, we've seen, you know, good stadiums in terms of turf have bad field days, right? And you just hope that with all the preparation that goes into it, you're pretty much, uh, you know, locked in yeah. on the top of the line, at least for that afternoon. Uh, all right, so we'll get into a number of things today, and we welcome your calls at 641-1010, same number for the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. And, uh, you know, if you've got a duo, uh, historic duo from Jaguar history that we're overlooking, it may not be the best, uh, you know, point it out, you know, maybe an overlooked combination of players that are linked for whatever reason. You know, obviously Jimmy and Keenan play in the same position, same with Fred and MJD. Henderson and Stroud, both defensive tackles that terrorized together. And then you often go to the coach-quarterback combo. I think if we had done, you know, clearly Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson are not there yet. It was mm -hmm. a great year. We enjoyed that. But the, plenty of these other guys who we're talking about have had more success historically for the Jaguars. And But if we had asked the question 10 years from now, what's going to be the best duo when we look back? And if we included Peterson – and Lawrence as an option, I think that would have been the runaway winner. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. so, you know, people and, – and I get it. You know, you want to be optimistic about what's coming on down the line. Uh, boy, you know, just hearing everything that went into what Philly did this year to get to the Super Bowl, you know, Kansas City is back, and they've been – you know, the question is now, are they a dynasty? You're going to have to go through them in the next few years, you got Buffalo, you got Cincinnati. You don't know who else is going to rise up as we sit here, right? Last year, most people around the league, no matter what you thought about Trevor Lawrence coming in, weren't going, well, you got Buffalo, you got Cincinnati, got to watch out for Jacksonville being on the rise. So there's going to be other teams that mm -hmm. pop up. And, you know, for instance, like, you know, I, I heard Jeff Prosser discuss it this morning. I've heard other people bring this up. You know, Aaron Rodgers could not get to the Super Bowl with a loaded Green Bay team. Was that Green Bay team better, that roster around Rodgers, than the one that the Jets have right now? Like, if he joined the Jets, I think they're a contender. Yeah. I really do. I mean, they barely missed the playoffs as it was, and they went on a big spiral losing streak at the end of the season. The defense is going to be good again. Uh, the weapons are young, mm -hmm. but Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore at the top of the depth chart is not that shabby a start right there, and it, it, a lot would depend on Brees Hall returning uh, to full strength, but, uh, you know, quite frankly, Aaron Rodgers can stay in the NFC, but I think, you know, the tea leaves now indicate that he's coming over, I think. I, I don't think he's going to be back in Green Bay, and I think the Jets are probably number one on the list and the Raiders probably number two. Yeah, I mean, if the reports are true that the Packers are basically saying, yeah, he's he's available, you know, at this point, and Aaron is willing to renegotiate the deal essentially to make it easier for them to get out of it in a trade, then I'd, I'd agree that it feels more and more likely that Aaron Rodgers, if he's going to continue to play football, it won't be in Green Bay, right? And it'd be funny if it was both him and Favre that the next stop in their career was the Jets, right? Like Both of them took that path sure. after they were leaving Green Bay, and we'll we'll see if um, he makes it to Minnesota. Yeah, if he makes it all the way back to Minnesota in this deal uh, when it's all said and done. But, yeah, I, I tend to agree. And the Jets, I think, are a really good landing spot. We talked about it when the Jags were getting ready to play that game up in New York. It's a defense that's ready to win now. The, right, the defense is. And the offense is completely held back by the options they had at quarterback mm -hmm. at that point late in the season. 
Um, and so, yeah, if they can solve the quarterback position with a defense ready to win now and young weapons on offense with Aaron Rodgers, even at this point in his career, yeah, I think the Jets are a legit contender, at least in the East. And if they're a contender in the East, they're a contender in the AFC. Yeah, I don't think he's likely to go to Tennessee, but, you know, I'll be watching closely in the next few days because Derek Carr is overwhelmingly likely to get released today by the end of the day. Yep. Right? And this is the deadline because if he's on uh, the Raiders roster tomorrow, a bunch of his injury guarantees become fully guaranteed. Yeah, so they like 40 and a half. Million. Yeah, it's over $40 million that they'd be on the hook for that they're not presently. So he's going to be out there, and he can sign any time uh, from a competitive standpoint. What makes the Titans better, a fully uh, healthy Ryan Tannehill or picking up Derek Carr? I don't know, I'm quite frankly. Tannehill did lead them to the number one record he in did. the AFC just a year ago, and they were on a pretty good pace in the division this year prior to him getting injured. I think Derek Carr is probably a better quarterback, but for a short-term, one-year type situation, I don't know what the answer to that is, quite frankly. I know a lot of people are down on Ryan Tannehill. I think it's somewhat out of sight, out of mind, because that guy's won a lot of football games in the last couple of years, unfortunately. Sure. All right, so again, today, the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day that we invite you to give us a vote on uh, is this. Uh, present company excluded, meaning nobody on the current roster. Which duo is the best in Jaguars history, and which ones did we miss? Uh, we've given you Coughlin and Burnell, Jimmy and Keenan, Henderson and Stroud, Fred and MJD. You know it's solid when you don't need to uh, give more than one name, right. first or yeah. last for any of these folks involved here. So you can vote on that at MD underscore 1010XL. Also hit us up at 1010XL Fat Tony and at IME to the T. Come on, somebody. That's the numeral two right there, smack dab in the middle of that. And then, of course, 641-1010 on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Going to get into a little version of Mock Draft Tuesday today. Some of the big sites uh, have updated them post-Super Bowl. We'll take a peek. Uh, more to be instructive as to whether or not they're getting the positions right for the Jaguars currently as much as anything. But we'll take a look at a, a bevy of those today as well. With Tony Smith and E.T., I'm Mike Dempsey. You're listening to Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. Oh, I got a lot of uh, submissions for people's favorites. So, you know, it's going to be tough to top Jimmy and Keenan, Fred and MJD as the best duo in Jaguars history with a duo we may have forgotten. But uh, some of the ones being mentioned uh, include Brackens and Simmons on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. And uh, with quotes to back it up from Tom Coughlin, we went from being a team that had 17 sacks in 1995 to a team with pass rushers like Clyde Simmons and Tony Brackens who led us to 37 and 48 sacks each of the last two seasons. Uh, so Brackens and Simmons getting a little love there. Yeah, good one. Brunell and Baselli. they were mm -hmm. kind of like uh, frickin' frack back in the day. Um, we're frickin' frack anyway. <laughs> I don't quite know. sure. It's just one yeah. of those things that is in my head. Uh, don't know. Uh, Ramsey and Boy has been mentioned a few times. <laughs> Zelenka and Scobie. Uh, Justin Blackman and Matt Jones, that's an unfortunate uh, duo. Yeah. Um, Mike Peterson and Daryl Smith. Uh, Carnell Lake and Donovan Darius in 99. Um, maybe too short, but honorable mention. 
Again, these are all on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Several votes for Aaron Beasley and Fernando Bryant uh, coming in right there. I thought about this, too. When you talk about, all right, you've got Jimmy and Keenan, the best wide receiver duo in franchise history. Who's the second best wide receiver duo in franchise history? Uh, maybe Robinson Hearns. It is, right? It's yeah. got to be Robinson and Hearns, right? And that's what somebody said for a very short time, Allen Robinson – and Allen Hearns, and I mean, Allen Robinson was a 1,400-yard receiver. That's not chump change here, mm-hmm. but, man, Allen Hearns, undrafted guy. I mean, look, it doesn't matter how you got there, but um, hopefully Ridley, Kirk, Kirk Ridley, right. however you want to list it. I mean, yeah. it's conceivable if they play together for three or four years that they end up as one of the best duos in Jaguars history, uh, but, uh, you know, got to get – Ridley reinstated. Tomorrow's the day he can apply for reinstatement. Everybody seems to believe that that will be um, a fait accompli. It's basically (laughs) nobody's worried about it. It's going to get done. Uh, We'll see if that's the case. By the way, we did a uh, post-Super Bowl best ball draft on SiriusXM last night for fantasy. There's only 10 teams, but Ridley went with the, I want to say, they both went in the sixth round is what it was. I thought it was a little bit heavy on on Kirk maybe, but I don't know. Maybe it's not. Who do you think is going to be more productive this year? Assuming Calvin Ridley gets reinstated and is here for the entire offseason program, who's the, is it a one or is it a 1A, 1B that alternates every kind of week situation? Uh, my guess on would be Kirk would be more productive. You think so? A year in the system, a uh-huh. year with Trevor. I, I think those things matter. They could. Yeah. Uh, do you, I think Now, that doesn't mean that I don't think Calvin Ridley could be – Still the big play guy for the offense, but I I think if we get to the end of the year, I think the numbers for Kirk would be bigger. It's interesting because I think going into last year, without seeing Christian Kirk get the opportunities in in terms of targets that he got last year, Mm -hmm. that it would have been almost universal. People would have said, well, the last we saw of Calvin Ridley is better than anything we've seen of Christian Kirk, that he is just simply a more – talented player a better player sure uh that's not to diminish Christian Kirk at all and it may be wrong as well because you know look Christian Kirk was playing somewhat in the shadow of DeAndre Hopkins uh there in Arizona and you know Calvin Ridley played second fiddle to Julio Jones for a while and didn't put up those big numbers Hopkins and Fitz at times out there in Arizona. true true although Fitz was at the end winding down a little bit um man I hope we get anything approaching the Calvin Ridley, uh, you know, that average 15 yards a catch. No doubt. 90 grabs, 1,374 yards, nine touchdowns. He's that, you know, That's one thing about him. He's a really good route runner, um, and that's shown up in the red zone. First three years of his career that he played full seasons, or basically full seasons, 10, 7, and 9 touchdowns, and in that seven-touchdown season, he missed three games. So – you know, you're talking about a, a 9, 10 touchdown guy, basically, in, in his years in Atlanta. Yeah. And that was playing somewhat in the shadow of Julio Jones. So, I'll say this. I think we're all in agreement. As much as we like a guy like T. Higgins, like I would, and we talked about it, I would consider trading the 24th pick and giving T. Higgins that deal if he really were to become available. And, you know, Higgins mm-hmm. was even asked about this last week. Like, hey, your name's popping up in all these different things and people are photoshopping you in different uniforms and he's like hey, what else are you going to say but I want to stay with Cincinnati hope yeah. it gets worked out but reportedly they're not that close 
And that's why all the trade speculation came up that what he's seeking and what the Bengals are offering, knowing they got to give Joe Burrow the bag and that Jamar Chase is coming down the line next year. I mean, if you look, I, there's nobody in the NFL that's going to take T. Higgins over Jamar Chase. Just not going to happen. No. Yeah. So if you pay T. Higgins 20 million more, yeah. What's Jamar Chase going to deserve? Yep. From the same organization. And you're figuring out what you're going to do with Burrow this offseason, too. So. Well, they've said they want to give him the deal now. Yeah. You know, somebody, uh, one of these mock drafts we're going to look at a little bit later on, uh, talked about specifically the Jags need to basically go all in here because Trevor Lawrence is on the rookie deal. You know, spend to the hilt. Not that they're not spending the money, but, you know, maybe put a little stress on future years uh, to maximize that. It's funny because you look at the Chiefs, Tone, and – you know, Tyreek Hill, there's no denying Tyreek Hill's greatness. Go no. look at the numbers he put up with a revolving door at quarterback in Miami. Yep. That wasn't as good. None of them. I mean, Tua had a really nice season for himself when healthy. He's not Patrick Mahomes. And so he loses Tyreek Hill. He does have a an old-timer at tight end in Travis Kelsey. But Travis Kelsey still is not a, you know, an 1,800-yard 18 touchdown scoring receiver. No. He's not Justin Jefferson in terms of the numbers he puts up. No. They're great at the tight end position. Patrick Mahomes is asked to elevate the rest of what's there. So that is the one, you know, we talked about that. And a lot of people's hesitancy, if T. Higgins really were available, is that we've got enough tied up in the position. Right? Christian Kirk's got a big deal. If Calvin Ridley performs the way you want him to, the whole point is to get him in for a year and then have first crack at getting him signed to a contract extension and locking him up uh, for the you know the rest of the peak years of his career. And the question is, do you need that with Trevor Lawrence going forward? I mean, look, Joe Burrow's still got Chase Higgins Boyd. It's not like they have chopped liver there. And absolutely, yeah. You know, Mahomes did have Tyreek Hill, and that wasn't always good enough. Uh, you know, when they couldn't protect him against Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, he had Hill and Kelsey, and it didn't matter. And and quite frankly, apologies to Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, Hill and Kelsey are better than anybody that the Jags are likely to have in the near future. Yeah. Just simply because Kelsey is arguably, you know, top three tight end already all time, and Hill is arguably a top three receiver in the National Football League. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill has played in the league seven years. He's made the Pro Bowl every year. That's He's good. been a first-team All-Pro four of those seven years. Now, the first year, I think, was as a return man. Yeah, primarily uh, a return But guy. the last three All-Pros have been as a wide receiver. But that's pretty uh, remarkable as yeah. well that you had that kind of ability, you know, that, that kind of make-you-miss game-breaking ability yeah. that you could do that at, at that position. It's – that Kansas City could let a what looks like a Hall of Fame level wide receiver walk out the door and the offense doesn't miss a beat right like it because of what they have at coach and quarterback in a lot of ways with Patrick Mahomes mm -hmm. and the connection that he has with Travis Kelsey obviously has a big impact week to week on these games but that the system is good enough with those two guys in command of it that they can replace a potential Hall of Fame level wide receiver entering the prime of his career on top of that. And yeah, 
okay, we'll just go win a Super Bowl, right? Like, it, and it tells you that even with having all those guys together, it's not easy to win one, right? It's not like every year that they had them together, they won the Super Bowl. Now, sure. they were competing for Super Bowls when they were together. Competing to get there at the very least. Right. Yes. And so there is something to that. But, yeah, I mean, it's not like anything in Jacksonville is comparable to that. But you look at it like when you take Kansas City and you strip it down, there are three essential players, maybe four, right? And mm-hmm. Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, and I think you could argue this year Creed Humphrey was – arguably the best at his position. But if you don't have the best center in the National Football League, I think he's a a, a clear fourth, right? I think mm-hmm. the top – I think it's Mahomes, Kelsey, Jones in that order. Yeah. Now, they got a good play from Nick Bolton and yeah. Willie Gay. Bolton was I mean, number got, two in the league in tackles have, this year. You have to have yeah. other good players, right? Yeah. It's not like they're – right. But in terms of guys that you talk about, like that any service in any – perspective would rate as the blue chip of the blue chips yeah it's not ray lewis right like with the, right with, with those guys yeah. but but and chris jones is not ray lewis either for no. that matter but he is on a level above dominant those other guys position. right yeah. and and at a very important position where people are constantly seeking to find that next guy who can provide him pass rush on the interior of the defensive line has the ability to slide outside sure. yeah who are those guys potentially going forward for the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? I mean, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, sure. right? Yeah. But, I mean, is Christian Kirk that guy? In, in the short term, he's the best we have at the moment, Yeah. right? Could Calvin Ridley be that guy? Maybe. 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 Travis Etienne, I kind of feel like no. Like, it, it, you know, I don't want to undersell what Travis Etienne did this year with 1,400 yards from scrimmage, and he didn't even start at the beginning of the year. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, running back is just that position where you could dip back into the draft. I mean, look at Isaiah Pacheco as a seventh-round pick. Now, we spent a fifth-rounder on Snoop Conner. Mm-hmm. And I don't care about any short yardage, <laughs> whatever. I mean, like, that's a miss when you got a guy at the same position who was starting for the Super Bowl champs this year. Yeah, I, I think, you know, going through the mental exercise of thinking about it that way – I think it's Trevor Lawrence and nothing, right? As at the far, moment. At the moment, as far as that but kind of thing. But who could grow into I that? I think the Jaguars drafted Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker to be those guys, right? And maybe. Is Josh Allen, does he have a chance at this point to become a Chris Jones level player? Uh, probably not. I don't think he does, right? Yeah. Like, without, like, the, his best. Performance and and Josh Allen's a good player, but his best performance he was benefiting from the presence of Clayus Campbell greatly. Now Clayus benefited from his presence as For well, sure. right? And they yeah. they helped each other. But Chris Jones, uh, yeah, Frank Clark's there. I I don't look. I think at, Chris Jones helps Frank Clark. Yeah, I don't think people yeah. are double teaming Frank Clark, opening things up for Chris Jones. Yeah, let's put it that way. Could Devin Lloyd? And he's talented enough. He is. Could he get? Could Tyson Campbell be that guy? He's probably number two. Maybe right. Right like, now, if yeah. you had a true, top, like if you looked at the Jets and you said, "Who are the Jets' best players? Who are the the building blocks of the Jets?" Sauce Gardner might be number one. Yeah. Right. I mean, he arguably had the one of the. Let's just be conservative. One of the top five corners in the league this year in Gardner. You can make some. Some were making the case he might have been the best corner Absolutely, in the yeah. National Football League. So. That's a guy for sure, but who cares if you don't have the QB? 
right? And right. and it's not like the building block is coming. Even if you get Aaron Rodgers there, now what you got to hope if you go that road is you get what the Bucks got and you get a championship and then it maybe all falls apart in two or three years. And so what? You live with that when you've been starved for a championship for the last 54 years like they have since Super Bowl three. Who else would be? Uh, Trayvon Walker, like you said, supposed to be. Drafted like he could be. Could I mean, is there any chance he turns in? I mean, I suppose I, I would think there's a better chance that Trayvon Walker becomes that at this point than Josh Allen does. And Allen's proven more. I would agree. But Trayvon's got more runway to play with, right? More runway to play with, and I think the – like the skill set, like the body and the athleticism of Trayvon Walker, like the it's ceiling rare. of that guy is rare. Right. Right. I don't I don't have a great expectation for him to hit that ceiling. Right. Like I think he's likely gonna fall way short of that ultimately. I think he's gonna be a good player, but I don't think he's gonna be that type of guy. I don't I don't think the Jags have a lot of that type of guy right now. I just I don't. I think you can make an argument that Trevor Lawrence is a top 10 quarterback in the league right now, and that's the most important position to have and that he can still develop more going forward. I think you have the same kind of argument for a guy like Tyson Campbell. I think Travis Etienne right now is a top 10 running back in the league. Maybe. But how long is that shelf life with it being a running back, right? Maybe you get that for two more years, and that's what he's Right, and if you listed the most for. important Jags, where would Travis Etienne fall right. in a list of I, – I don't know. I'm asking. Like, he'd be top 10. Sure. But would he be top five? And I think there's a legit argument, and we discussed it last week with one of our questions of the day, but I think there's a legit discussion that could at least be had that Christian Kirk was right around that kind of number, top 10, last year among wide receivers in the league. Now, I don't think Christian Kirk is thought of as a top 10 wide receiver in the National Football League, but I think his metrics last year were really good, and I'm curious to see what that looks like with him going forward with Calvin Ridley playing with him now in this offense too. Maybe that helps him, maybe that hurts him. I don't know ultimately what that's going to look like, but I don't think it's anywhere close to, you know, I don't think Minnesota has a bunch of those guys. They got Jefferson, Mm -hmm. right? I don't think a bunch of teams have – four or five guys that fill that kind of bill. But right. I think when it's at quarterback and you got one at one of the offensive skill positions, and if you got one on the defensive line on top of that, which is what Kansas City has right now, you're going to win a lot of football well, games. Well, you know who's got all this? This is the Chargers. They do. They really do, right? They got the quarterback. Right now, Austin Eckler is in a rarefied air, at least for the mo- this two, moment in time. Years, right, yeah. The last two years, he has been – a true difference maker, like yeah. a, a guy scoring 20 or pushing 20 touchdowns a year. That's going to fade, but for for the next year, mm-hmm. I'd put him in that total blue chip category. As much as we dislike him, Joey Bosa is that player. Yeah, Derwin James is that player. Yeah. J.C. Jackson may have been that player had he not had an injury-marred season. And Bosa's kind of the same deal. Correct. Right. I mean, I already include him because we. I think he's. We know what he is. Right. We. I've. I trust. Like, if they're both healthy, that I know what I'm going to get out of Joey Bosa more than I know what I'm going to get out of J.C. Jackson. Sure. Uh, Khalil Mack probably kind of fading. Yeah. Out of that window, but that's that's like five guys. Don't know if you have to have. Obviously, you don't. If you look at what Kansas City did, who would Philadelphia have that you put put clearly hurts in that category? Uh, for now, yeah. Lane Johnson, AJ Brown. Um, what about Kelsey? 
I mean, like a couple of their offensive yeah. linemen amongst their positional group would be there. A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith's not that far behind A.J. No, Brown, not. quite frankly. Dallas Goddard's probably a top five tight end in the league right now. That's uh, arguable. Yeah. But that's maybe. I, I wouldn't quite put him in that category of what we're, you know, talk, like I think, you know, you take Goddard out, you can get by. You take Lane Johnson, you start picking apart that offensive mm-hmm. line, it's going to get a little bit tougher. They've got maybe – Arguably like three real blue chippers on that offensive line with Maylotta uh, as good as he has been mm-hmm. recently. And they had all those double-digit sack guys. Hassan Reddick, I would probably say, is in that category. Out of all those sack guys, uh, Darius Slay is another one, right? Yeah. So they've got more of the formula where they've got closer to a half dozen. But again, the quarterback's got to be a part of it. Yeah, We and think I, we've I, got that and here. And with the Chargers, you know, the coach gets in the way with the decisions that he makes in-game, that kind of thing. And uh, that's not necessarily the case. Now, Philadelphia, a lot of that may be – he's willing to be really aggressive, Sirianni is, but his team pays it for him, right? Like, whatever that bill is, the team paid it this year for Sirianni for his aggressiveness. And the Chargers, for whatever reason, have been snake bit by it for three straight years. All right, we're going to tie this in. Uh, This is Mock Draft Tuesday today. We we like to take a peek on Mondays, or we will be planning to take a peek at some – uh, of the collected mock drafts over the previous week on Mondays to kick off the week. But since we're doing Super Bowl recap yesterday, we'll take a peek at some of them today. But tie it into this discussion that we're talking about of true blue chip players that, that almost are undeniable that if you ask anybody around the league, is this a blue chip game affecting talent that the majority would say yes, or maybe even well into the majority would say yes on those guys. We'll do that I'll continue the conversation coming up on the other side. The Chad and Sandy Real Estate question of the day. On this Valentine's Day, asking you, was the best duo in Jaguars history? And we gave you some choices. You can vote in that poll at MD underscore 1010XL on Twitter. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and ET. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All Jags, all NFL. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. Uh, somebody mentioned in terms of blue chippers, Foye Oluigan. He's a really good player. But, like, is he a game wrecker? You know what I mean? Like, he, he he's great for what he's asked to do, mm-hmm. which is bring ball carriers to the ground. Led the league in tackles two years in a row. I don't know. Sure, I think, you know, it's weird... The linebacker position, like the game wreckers, are obviously the guys that play on the edge, right? Like the edge linebackers are the ones that are going to be the double-digit sack guys. They're going to force, you know, four or five fumbles that year, that kind of thing. And those are the impact linebackers mm-hmm. in the league. It's not what Foyer's asked to do. No. Right? Like he's asked to be the middle linebacker to call the defense and to get to the ball. And he is as good as there is in the league the last two years at getting to the football. Sure, but you know, so I think it is among middle linebackers. Yeah, I think Foye Luakon probably deserves more respect than even we give him for what I, he's done I'm the last. I'm thinking though, of like years. guys that when you are in the game planning meetings, you're like, all right, we gotta know. I hear you. Where this guy? I hear you, is. and that's gonna be the edge guy. Like, there's I don't know that there's a there might be uh, a few maybe like a Fred Warner, like a Roquan Smith, maybe, you know, like yeah. guys that, but those guys usually blitz. Yep. You know, or uh, they get a lot of turnovers, whatever the case may be. And it may be. that, well, And that's just part of the 
the game. You know, for you, sure. You yeah. look at you, you may have a tight end and say, well, all he's asked to do is this. He could do a lot more if he's in a different offense. But if that's all he's doing, mm -hmm. it is what it is, right? And uh, I understand, you know, like what's I, I mean, Christian Kirk here this year? How so? Like that he no, was, but that that he get, got the opportunity yeah, to do more. Like it's you know he was a number three receiver. That's the way everyone talked about him when he got signed. He's a number three receiver. What are the Jags doing? And it's the Jags were betting that no, he's better than that, and we're going to show you how much better he is than that. And he showed up. Um, this on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. I don't know if they're just talking about the offense, but crazy that the Jets are better at every position other than quarterback, tight end, and running back. I mean, if you're only talking an offense, that doesn't leave a whole lot left over, right? But, you know, I think going forward is Garrett Wilson. More GMs would want Garrett Wilson than Christian Kirk, mm -hmm. right? Christian Kirk may be more productive in the short term, but that's probably the way that would go. I don't know that they've got a, got a, a duo, though, including Elijah Moore, that could hold up to Ridley and Kirk together. You know, you throw in Zay Jones, I think collectively – the wide receiver core is not bad. Rich Samini of ESPN, uh, I was talking to him the other day, said that he thinks Corey Davis is a cap casualty. So they're, they've got the top two guys and not a whole lot beyond that. Evan Ingram, if he resigns here, yeah, I would take over Tyler Conklin, C.J. Ozama, and any of those guys 100%. that they've got with the Jets, no question about it. Offensive line, maybe collectively, I mean, but you know, we're sitting here considering paying Juwan Taylor a boatload of money he had a really good year in pass protection most people would probably say the Jets offensive line may be a little bit better than the Jags but I thought the Jags was very solid mm -hmm. this year and his point also okay he did clarify whole team I don't know I mean is CJ Mosley better than Foyer Oluwakin don't know that that's the case no you know uh you could debate it but I think what it comes down to is would you trade their roster for this roster and for me, the answer is a resounding no. I wouldn't trade Trevor Lawrence for if you let me just cherry pick everything else off the Jets that I wanted. You can get, I can, I can combine the rosters, take the best fifty-three out of the Jets and Jags combined, but I don't get Trevor Lawrence as an option. No, I'll take Trevor Lawrence, and you go ahead and take the fifty-three, mm -hmm. and I'll start with that guy. And over the next five years, we'll see who has more success. And, you know, obviously you got to have a team around you. You can't just run Trevor Lawrence out there. But no, yeah. he's more important than all that rest of that combined. So, and that may be true if you match up the rosters. You go, you may win, have more wins, quote unquote, on the Jets side of things. Who cares? We got the quarterback. Yeah. Right? And uh, CJ Mosley this year was a second team all pro. Was he? Yeah. What, what were his numbers, though? Let me... I see, I feel like Mosley. I don't know. I, I know it's not like a Lewican is not. 158 tackles okay. with 99 of those being solo, three quarterback hits, one sack, one fumble recovery, seven passes defensed. Okay, that and that's yeah, much better than a Lewican? In a pick. I don't think it is, but for whatever reason, that's good enough to be a second team. And, and I think because I think C.J. Mosley has been, at least in my opinion, a more well-thought-of player. Well, yeah. It's I mean, his, look, Mosley had a good year. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, this was his fifth Pro Bowl year for C.J. Mosley. There you go. But right now, is and he— And led the league in tackles the last two years, still hadn't made a Pro Bowl. Right. So, who's better at this moment?
No, I hear you. I don't know. You know, yeah. I, I don't put it this way. If it is Mosley, it's not by some massive yeah. margin. Well, you just heard the numbers for Mosley. Um, Aluakin had 184 tackles to lead the league, 128 of those solo. That also led the league. Uh, by the way, nine quarterback hits compared to three mm-hmm. for C.J. Mosley, two sacks compared to one, two fumble recoveries, five passes defensive, two lower there, two uh, force fumbles, no interceptions. Mosley did have the one interception this year. So Could have had one interception. Yeah, could have had one. <sighs> uh, I, I mean, that's a push at, at the worst. I, I'd agree. I think, you know, so, you know, uh, and, and he had Quinnen Williams playing like a, an all-pro ahead of him. And wouldn't have to line up the other middle linebacker next to him. That's a good point as well. By yeah. the way, Quincy Williams is a free agent. Just uh, looked at that depth <laughs> chart the other day. And uh, so, if you want to bring him back, now's your opportunity. Uh, let's go to Glenn at the Beach. It's at 641-1010. I want to get into that that angle I was talking about uh, based on the blue chippers, but we'll, we got time to get to that. Glenn, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, 26 years season ticket holder, and I just wanted to wrap up the season in celebration of positive and negative. The positive is I don't remember a more exciting in-the-stadium season than the last half that we got as fans in there. It was unbelievable, and I'm so happy. Uh, And Trevor, we trust. On the downside, I think it's apparent to me anyway, we kind of missed in the draft what we need more than anything that you guys have been talking about this morning is we needed a pass rusher. And I was all for not picking Hutchinson either, thinking he was going to get overwhelmed with pro talent, and I was wrong. I think we should have took, taken Hutchinson, and our problem would have been solved on the edge. Uh, look forward to hearing you guys. It's the dead season, but I'll still be listening, and um, I think we're going to get there one day, guys. Thanks Hope for so. Thank you, Glenn. Appreciate it. Uh, and, yeah, look, uh, we'll be here. Trust us. We're not going anywhere. Um, you know, somebody made a point, and, and I lose track of who makes these sometimes. It was text line or, or Twitter um, about Chris Jones. We were talking about how he's that blue chip guy. Can Trayvon Walker grow into that? And they pointed out Chris Jones had two sacks his first year. Mm-hmm. Okay? He did. He only had six and a half his second year, right? And Trayvon had, what, four and a half this year? Is that what the, the number was or three and a half? Three and a half. Gosh, three and a half. <sighs> All right, so he had a sack and a half more than Chris Jones did. But then Chris Jones, by year three, went from six and a half to 15 and a half. And then he had nine. Then he had seven and a half in a down year. Then he had nine. Then he had 15 and a half. So can, will we ever get a five-year stretch out of Trayvon Walker where his lowest total is, 15, or is, is seven and a half and he is twice 15 or better? That'd be I, sweet. I'm going to say no. Yeah. You know, uh, but I hope that I'm wrong. Yeah. About that, so um, we shall see. Let me just get a few more uh, duos that have gotten mentioned here, and then we'll we'll tie this up and we'll start the conversation fresh on the blue chippers here in a moment. But uh, Naoli and Manawai, that was great. Cole saw that on uh, social media on uh, Twitter this morning. That was one of the good ones. Uh, we certainly got in. Uh, who else did we have here? One of the best Jaguar duos was Calais Campbell. That dude is the size of two men and did the work of two men. Uh, that's true. And he also played inside and outside. Uh, so there's that. Bortles and A-Rob just for one year in 2015. And then Kevin Hardy, Hardy Nickerson, the Hardy boys. I think the nickname was great. They were good. Mm-hmm. I don't think they rise to the level of some of these uh, other guys uh, regardless. But all right, when we come back, 
Uh, we'll start to take a look in the next hour at uh, some of the bigger outlets out there with fresh mock drafts post Super Bowl, with an eye, you know, a, a particular angle on adding blue chip talent to this roster. Everybody wants it, right? There's no question about it that everybody wants uh, all the best talent out there. But uh, from a particular standpoint of the Jags are in this position, we know which positions we like to see mocked to them because we know what their needs are right now. How important is need versus talent? It's that age-old debate in the NFL draft. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and ET here with you. You're listening to Jaguars today. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, same guy who says the uh, Jets have the better roster and all these positions. All right, you know, it, we're having that debate, right, sure. about the different yeah. positions. Uh, suggest sign Unique Ngakwe and Justin Houston. Adds at least 16 sacks. Move Walker to defensive tackle. Trade up to take the best wide receiver in the draft and trade for Jalen Ramsey. And I'll accept my GM of the year trophy now. Okay. I mean, look, if you want to play on Madden or something, I don't even know if that would be allowed on Madden, quite frankly. I mean, I've been, we've been proponents of Justin Houston all offseason. His name's been brought up a bunch. Oh, yeah. Give me a veteran pass rusher. Right. Like, give me a veteran pass rusher who's not going to break the bank, who can roll in and give you eight plus sacks. Absolutely. At nine and a half last year, I think he could do it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unique Ngakwe's not coming here. No. And nor would, I, I believe, Tony Khan be on board with it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'd say, hey, you know what? We're in the window. I I will forget the fact. They wanted to pay him. That They tried. Yeah. They, they, they offered him more than anybody else did. Yeah. So, Jan's not coming here. So, we're going to trade up for the best wide receiver in the draft and then also trade what exactly for Jalen Ramsey? Uh, that And we're going to pay all these guys how exactly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, Justin Houston, yeah, sure. I think you could fit him in there. Jan's going to want $80 billion to come to Jacksonville, and uh, Jalen's never going to be satisfied with anything that he's making. I want, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in the camp of I want nothing to do with anybody who quit like Jalen Ramsey. I mean, and anybody who thinks that that guy wouldn't do it again, you're kidding yourself. People don't change. Not at that point in their life. They don't change something as fundamental as that. You either got the quit in you or you don't. All right, let's move beyond that, okay? Um. <laughs> Best available versus need, right? Okay. How, how do you come down on that debate when it comes to draft time? Uh, it depends on what position you're talking about a lot of times and at what position in the draft you're talking about. All right, how about the 24th pick in the draft? Uh, you take – As a hypothetical. Best player. Best player. Yeah. What if that player – Is that a position where you don't need it? I don't care. Uh, I'm taking so, the best player. If the Jaguars, here's why I bring it up, right? Like we talk like outside about, of like something ridiculous, like quarterback or something like that. Well, point, yeah. Clearly, yeah. I, but if we're saying that the Jags have two to three true like blue chip, keep defensive coordinator or offense coordinators up late at night, worrying about we've got to make sure we got a game plan to handle this guy. Yeah. Right. And you've only got you got Trevor. Maybe Tyson Campbell. I don't think anybody else really fits in that category mm-hmm. right now. Okay, you need those guys, right? Like you, you need. If you got the quarterback, that's a big part of it. But take Kelsey away from Mahomes. I mean, he's still great. 
But at a certain point, you got to have some kind of help, right? Yeah. So and at some point, we're going to find out what that looks like. Sure. Yeah. Maybe in a couple years. Yeah. You know, and who knows by then what they'll have done to address it. But mm-hmm. regardless, so you got Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, obvious blue chippers. They got some other guys who are really good, but those are the guys that you really worry about. Right? Sure. So if the Jags are on the clock with the 24th pick, and the guy that they have clearly graded ahead of everybody else in terms of being a player is Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas. Mm-hmm. Are you taking him? Running back's different. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Because I think ETN right now, this year was a top 10 running back, right? Now, it's not McCaffrey, and I'm not saying that he is. It's not McCaffrey or Saquon, the kind of impact that he had for the Jaguars this year, but I don't think it's so far off. I Running back, probably not. So then what positions can you take with the 24th pick in the draft? Uh, I think it would be anything but obviously a special team specialist quarterback because you got that position covered and you only play one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Not taking a middle linebacker. Well, you wouldn't think. I mean, how could you? Yeah, uh, you wouldn't think. Um, like, I would take Bijan Robinson over a middle linebacker. Now, but, you know, I'm not talking about like a Will Anderson, you know, guy uh, as a linebacker who can come in and be an edge rusher and destroy people. You're not going to get that at 24. Probably not. Right, but Robinson, because of the position he plays, maybe my, he's all over the board in mock drafts. Yeah. Right, you see him uh, as high as 10th to Philadelphia to all the way late first round. And mm-hmm. there are plenty of mocks out there where he's available to the Jaguars. Well, for instance, okay, 24-7 sports does a mock today. Got the Jaguars taking Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama. Okay. You want Branch or you want B. John Robinson? I, I don't know anything about Branch. Okay, um, do you want a safety or do you want B. John Robinson? I, I think – Even if you think you've got one more back, year left of Rayshon. Yeah, I think – Running back is a more impactful position in the NFL than safety, so I'd probably go running back. It depends on the safety, too, yeah. right? I mean, you know, if you got Derwin James, that's a different story because sure. he's a kind of a bit of a unicorn. But Derwin's going in the top ten. Correct, yeah. right. But I'm just saying, you know, in, in theory. I don't know. I mean, all right, what about wide receiver? What if you got, you know, things fall funny ways mm-hmm. with wide receivers? What if, uh, you know, everyone seems to think that, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, maybe the top three wide receivers in the class. I also saw something that said, and Jigba wasn't a first-round talent, uh, mm-hmm. but some NFL scouts. Well, let's say the Jags love, love, love one of them, and people have them graded differently, and one of those guys is sitting there at 24. And you've got Calvin Ridley reinstated. You've got Christian Kirk. You've got Zay mm-hmm. Jones, and Evan Ingram's back in the fold. In that circumstance... You taking a wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, if it's a guy that you, especially a guy that you feel like projects as a number one top of the depth chart guy for sure. Okay, I'd but be willing that, to pull the trigger on that at number twenty four. That receiver is gonna maybe get targeted at his peak at a, a hundred and fifty times somewhere down the line, right? Mm-hmm. And certainly not early in his career. Sure, right? Might not even crack the starting lineup early in his career, mm-hmm. and. Ultimately, he's going to have the ball in his hands maybe 110, 120 times. Whereas, even if Bijan Robinson's splitting time with Travis Etienne, 
Robinson's an outstanding receiver, not an area that I don't think they used ETN enough in, right? And would he be a better option there? Most people think he would. I don't know. You'd have a little I, – I, look, I'm not stop saying we should definitely go draft Bijan Robinson if he's sitting there at 24, but everyone seems to think – I've heard best running back to come into the league since Saquon Barkley, uh-huh. for instance, right? I mean, would you take – that version, that that pre-injury version of Saquon Barkley, if you knew that was sitting there at 24. Sure. You would? Yeah. Okay, what if you feel Robinson's that guy? What if you? What if the Jags well, grade I, him out to be that guy? I think that's a, it's a draft discussion, right? Like, that's a overview of the draft and the history of the draft kind of discussion that you feel like you can get the best running back in the draft at 24 as opposed to getting the fourth or fifth receiver. Or, you know, you're, you're picking from the middle – of these kind of top 10 positions with most other positions, you may be able to get the best running back in the draft. If you think Bijan Robinson is that guy, then yeah, I don't have a big issue with taking Bijan Robinson necessarily at 24. He could be the best player available when you get to 24 in the draft. I think the running back position is much less valuable than a bunch of other positions and not knowing the other guys that are going to be there at 24 and comparing the value of those guys at more premium positions to a guy like Bijan Robinson, like trying to do that calculus in my head is difficult sitting here on February 14th. If that makes sense. No, I hear what you're saying. I, and look, you know, if you look at these teams, you'd say, well, you know, Philly didn't even give their lead back the ball eight times. So Miles Sanders had seven carries. Kenneth Gainwell had seven carries. It's just yeah. straight committee. I Isaiah like Pacheco was the first a seventh quarter, rounder. I was like, where's Miles Sanders? I, I totally, Is he right? inactive? Like, you, that's what By I the way, thinking. you know, because, uh, you know, we're doing a lot of prop bet stuff on Sirius XM leading up to the Super Bowl. You know, a lot of people were very upset when that uh, Kenneth Gainwell touchdown oh, got overturned. Because sure. sure. he was a popular guy on the prop bets yeah. this week. I, the, my point being, you gotta have you gotta have more than just the quarterback. You gotta have a handful of core guys no doubt. that you look at and you say, Wow, this, you know, for the next five, six years, this is what we got. Now, you know, Kelsey's been doing it at that level for eight yeah. years, whatever. Uh, so you can't project forward that he's gonna be this good four or five years down the road. But in the this moment, and they've had that window with Mahomes, Jones. Kelsey, at times Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. was certainly in that conversation. There may be a defensive player I'm forgetting about uh, along the way. Um, well, and I think it's finding that medium to long-term impact when you're picking at 24-2, right? Like Chris Jones started 18 of the first 32 games of his career, right? So he wasn't the full-time starting sure. defensive lineman for the Chiefs when he got there. Now, he played plenty. It's not saying that he didn't have a role in that defense for the Chiefs during his first couple years, but started 18 of the first 32 games of his NFL career. You pick him at the top of the second round. I'm just looking at his page now. He went 37th, right? So he was early in the second round. If you are getting that kind of impact where it may not be that guy right away, but in three or four years, this is what we see, right? And if he is one of those blue chip guys by the time he's getting to the end of his rookie deal, then – 
yeah, at 24, any of those guys that you project that kind of way, and if Bijan's one of those guys, okay. I think Bijan is looked at as that guy immediately. He's got to be that guy immediately. He's a running back. If he's not that right. guy immediately. But you look at it, and, and again, I'm not trying to, to make the – I guess I'm making the case. I'm not saying that this is what I would necessarily do, right? Sure. But just in a way of looking at it, Travis Etienne has two years left on his rookie deal, mm-hmm. right? I mean – yeah, you can pick up the fifth-year option. Now you're getting into significant running back money right here. Um, B. John Robinson's a great pass catcher, so he would fit in with that. And I just think he's a, probably a better talent than Travis Etienne, quite frankly. Again, is it a position where you're super in need of that? No. But if Etienne gets hurt, what's your uh, – Quadre Allison? I mean – you know, they picked him up. Yeah, he's more special teams. I know. Guy. that That's yeah. my point. There is no uh, – there's no depth at no. that position on this football team. But I I think there is that uh, traditionalist that that is bought into the modern NFL to the point where I uh, don't like the idea of two first-round running backs being on my roster at the same I time. I understand that. Yeah. I, to- I, I really do. And, I, I, again, I'm not suggesting they'd even think in this fashion, but I'm – like, if there is a guy that is – I, it's conceivable because of the position he plays that his grade could be significantly higher than anybody else you have on the board. Like, sure. we could take the fifth corner here, and we need a corner, but we'd be passing up a Saquon Barkley-type talent and that kind of early career impact. Mm-hmm. In in a window where Trevor Lawrence is on a rookie deal, you try to add as many playmakers around him as possible. Think of that, that offense yeah. that you would have with Trevor, potentially Kirk, Ridley, Zay, Evan Ingram, Bijan Robinson, and Travis Etienne, and yeah. a, a solid offensive line. That, how's that not one of the best offenses in the National Football League? I think if I was put in a position where I was having to make the decision between, you know, the third, fourth, fifth best corner in the draft and Bijan Robinson, that if I was the one making the call, I'd probably draft the corner. Like ultimately, I think that's the decision that I would make. I'd. Like every other decision in the draft, when I made it, even part of me be like, oh, "Am I screwing this?" Guy? I don't know, man. You know? I, I, you know, like <laughs> if it's, it would depend on how you grade the fifth corner. This year, there don't seem to be too many surefire top ten type cornerbacks no. out there, right? Christian Gonzalez, I've seen mocked in the top ten out of Oregon. Uh, some or people you can like make Joey it the, Porter you know, Jr. the third, fourth, fifth wide receiver. I, I think it's the same kind of thing to me. Like just a more high value position, right? And you're you're probably not going to get the best player in the draft at any other position where they're drafting except running back. Like that's the overwhelming likelihood. Like that that would be the only position right, where they'd be able to right. maybe safety. Maybe, maybe right. Yeah. There there are some, but right. they they're probably not you not know many. The, it's not you're not going to get a left tackle. You're not going to get an edge rusher. No. You're not going to get the top corner. Probably not even going to get the top guard. You're not going to get the top wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there, there are a lot of – I don't know. It just it, it just kind of dawned on me. depending on what the me. options are, but if I was the one making the decision, I'd probably not take another running back is ultimately the, the decision I would make. I would understand them doing it for all the reasons you laid out, and if that's what we're talking about the day after the first round of the draft, okay – We'll we'll see Pretty what that damn, looks like, you know. <laughs> but but if it was me making the decision, you're asking me in the middle of February, I'd probably not make that decision. I hear you. Yeah. I, I don't. I I don't. 
I'm not putting it off the table, though, mm-hmm. I guess, is where I'm at. And I think in years past, we would have looked at it like, no, you know, it's it's need, you know, best player available at a position of need. Mm-hmm. Do they need the running back? No, they've got a, a very competent starter, but it's not a depth chart that beyond Travis Etienne is any good by NFL standards, right? I mean, it's just not. It's not. Yeah. And maybe you don't need that. Again, looking at the Super Bowl, seventh rounder starting for the champs, running back by committee for the runners up, right? And but at the same time, when all Brock Purdy getting it done in San Francisco when they traded for Christian McCaffrey, no, that offense took off in a big way. You know, if you're getting, if you think Bijan Robinson, and that's what they're talking about, they think he's that type of back mm-hmm. potentially. I don't know. Something to think about. Anyway, uh, we'll look through some of the mock drafts. None of them having uh, the Jags take Bijan Robinson, <laughs> by the way. But we will tell you who uh, some of the uh, more high-profile sites are projecting as of uh, post-Super Bowl week for your Jacksonville Jaguars. That's coming up in lieu of Mock Draft Monday, a little Mock Draft Tuesday coming your way on Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All Jags, all NFL, Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, a little uh, Mock Draft Tuesday flavor for you. We'll go around the league here in a minute as well with Tony Smith just uh, taking a look at uh, where some of the big outlets have the Jacksonville Jaguars focusing their draft capital coming up here in uh, a couple of months. This is uh, post-Super Bowl additions. Um, It's interesting that now I'm going to be Focused in on where Bijan Robinson is coming off the board <laughs> right? and all these. I'm yeah. seeing several of them that have him going to Baltimore. And uh-huh. I get it. Baltimore wants to run the ball, although Greg Roman's gone. Yep. Right? So, different offense coordinator. We don't know who it's going to be yet. I think they hired Todd Munkin. Oh, do they hire him? I think today. Okay. Let me, let me make sure I got I was going to say right. that that would be uh, new. Todd Munkin's more of a passing game guy uh, than he is, of course, former Jaguars wide receivers coach back in the day. Um, yep. They've hired Todd Munkin today as their new OC. All right, so that just happened. Yep. All right. Well, you got J.K. Dobbins, who, granted, had a, a significant injury, but he came back from that injury and looked pretty good when they, they fed him the football. You know, like, I look at Baltimore. They need pass catchers way more than they need another running back. Sure. And uh, I see, you know, I don't know. I just see a lot of, uh, a lot of connection made between – those two. A lot of people, again, a lot of people just projecting him to Philadelphia. Um, and the funny thing is some have him going with the 10th pick because they own that pick uh, via the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. And many have him falling all the way to the end of the first round because running backs usually not valued. Now, this guy may be a different guy. Look, this may be a moot discussion we just had a moment ago. I think there's probably a, at least a 50-50 chance that he's off the board by 24, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. you know, So barring a trade-up. That's not going to happen. Uh, taking a look from Chad Ryder, he had one cornerback. This is NFL.com. He had one corner, I believe, in the top 10. Christian Gonzalez going number six to Detroit. Outside of that, he had a few in uh, the teens, uh, or, or I guess in the early 20s. Joey Porter Jr., a lot of people like him. And this is going to be kind of a pick-your-flavor type draft for these guys. I don't yeah. know if we're going to have that Sauce Gardner one guy that separates himself from the pack kind of situation. Uh, but Porter going here 21st to the Chargers. Uh, Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois going one pick later to the Giants. And the Jags taking two picks later, Cam Smith 
out of South Carolina. As Ryder uh, puts it, Smith's a tough-minded corner, but doesn't back down from SEC receivers and makes plays on the ball, which is the type of defender the Jags need opposite Tyson Campbell. Well, if your guy doesn't back down and makes plays on the ball, I think any team could probably <laughs> – you know, use that, but That'll he's got him most. Yeah, got him going corner there, which I think is, uh, you know, you and I would be surprised if corner wasn't under heavy yeah. consideration. It's reasonable, yeah. Um, this one in the second round again. This is the projection based on what's going on at the moment. But fifty-six pick, he did a three-round mock. Uh, Chad did. He's got Tucker Craft, tight end, South Dakota State. No, thank you. Okay, right. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, he may be worthy of that selection, but uh, I'm I'm hoping that Evan Ingram's back in the fold on at least a three-year type deal, and I'm not going to spend my – see, that's one there. Like, B. John Robinson, to me, you can put the ball in his hands 250 times and still get ETN 150 touches mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Um, where with Evan Ingram on the roster, I mean, how many catches is the next tight end going to have? That's Dan Arnold, right? Not many. Yep. I don't think so. I think we all agree tight end could be in play early if they don't sign Ingram, but we also mostly think that Evan Ingram will be back here in Jacksonville. At least we're hopeful that that'll be the case. And then in the third round, uh, Jags have pick 88, Jordan Battle, the Alabama safety. A lot of people going safety. I mean, look, Rayshon Jenkins, even if he is back this year, may, this may be the last year that he's back in Jacksonville. And he was a guy that, before the season, a lot of people would have expected we would have reached this point and he would be a cap casualty, and then he just started making plays all over the damn field. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I find it hard to imagine Rayshon is not back with the team this year. Am, am I wrong? Do you think there's a better chance that I'm – I mean, it's $6.2 no, in cap savings. Yeah, I I don't think they're going to move on from Rayshon Jenkins. I'll say this as a reaction to a three-round mock like that. I – at this point, I would be highly upset if we get three rounds into the draft. We're going into the final day of the NFL draft that Saturday, and the Jags haven't drafted a big body yet. So, like, you, I, I would be, what are they doing? As opposed to then um, the trio of Cam Smith at corner, then a tight end and a safety, mm-hmm. you'd be down with B. John Robinson and a couple of big bodies. <laughs> I would rather working have, it. Working I would it now. have somebody big. On one of the lines of scrimmage at some okay. point. Maybe yeah. mix in a corner there as well. Yeah. All right, uh, let's let Tony Smith take you around the National Football League. Now, Gems Around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. The Indianapolis Colts have hired Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen as their new head coach. The Arizona Cardinals are now the only team to not have hired a head coach during this cycle yet. Seven teams are still looking for an offensive coordinator with the Ravens having hired Todd Munkin today to become their new OC. Washington is expected to interview former Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman for their open OC position, and the commanders are working on scheduling reportedly Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, whose contract is up after the season for their open position there as well. Philadelphia Eagles right tackle Lane Johnson has been playing through a torn adductor this postseason and will be undergoing surgery this week to address the injury. The injury sidelined Johnson for the final two games of the regular season, but he was able to play through it all the way through the Super Bowl. 
For the Eagles, the Baltimore Ravens have officially claimed cornerback Trayvon Mullen off of waivers. Mullen is a cousin of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson and Conrad Doppler, a three-time Pro Bowl offensive guard for the St. Louis Cardinals in the 1970s, passed away on Monday at the age of 72. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in July of 1977 with the title being Pro Football's Dirtiest Player. He is quoted in the cover story as saying, quote, I'll do anything I can to get away that I can get away with to protect my quarterback, end quote. Stories of his on-field exploits include him punching Joe Green, spitting on Bill Berge, and kicking Merlin Olsen in the head. I had that issue. No kidding. I My mom used to go to this thrift store, and somebody would bring in old issues of Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. She'd buy them all for me for like a dime a piece. And uh, when I was in high school, I cut the covers off. You know, not that <laughs> like they wouldn't have made it to this point, right? Like right, in pristine yeah. condition. But I, I cut. I had air. I had the U.S. Olympic hockey team cover. I yeah, had all yeah. so many. I had the oh the Marcus Allen Rolling Thunder cover at USC, which was mm-hmm. just such a great shot. I had so many iconic uh, SI covers up on my wall in my bedroom, just basically wallpapered it right. with SI covers. But uh, I remember distinctly having that Conrad Dobler uh, one, and uh, he was. Uh, renowned as the dirtiest guy (laughs) in the National Football League. All right, a couple of other uh, mocks here, Tony, that uh, we've got. I mentioned Brian Branch uh, in the one. You know, he's a a versatile guy. He can play nickel. He can play deep. He can play in the box. He can do a lot of things. I'm not saying his value isn't right there. Again, come down to positional value. In the first round, you talk about running back not having a great positional value. For this team, is safety the right way to go? It's debatable. Mm-hmm. You know, um, going to have to have a difference maker. Here's another mock where he goes 14th overall. So, again, the, the value of the player doesn't seem to be in question. In that mock, this is pro football focus. Uh, Jags take Dalton Kincaid, the tight end out of Utah. You want Dalton Kincaid or you want Bijan Robinson? Just asking. <laughs> uh, if Evan Ingram's back, I'd, I would go with B. John yeah. Robinson, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see, Ryan Wilson over at CBS uh, put one out with DeWand Jones, offensive tackle from Ohio State. If Juwan Taylor leaves in free agency, where does offensive tackle rank for you in the first round? Not that high for me personally. Uh, with Cam Robinson and Walker Little both still here. Yeah, Cam, be... Cam, two years left at a pretty expensive deal coming yeah. off injury. Yeah. I, I would I would consider it if the right guy, like if I love the guy who's sitting there. All right, uh, Jawan Taylor's gone. Offensive tackle or B. John Robinson at 24? Tackle. Okay, just seeing if I can pigeonhole mm-hmm. you into <laughs> Some Bijan Robinson picks here along the way. I just thought, you know, look, maybe we just need to just go all in. Let's just outscore teams, right? Mm-hmm. We'll beat them forty-eight to thirty-five. That'll work. That'd be exciting as hell. You kidding me? Mm-hmm. Oh God, I just kind of like this idea now. Look, it's a pipe dream. It's not going to happen. At least I don't believe it has much of a chance of happening. But Trevor Lawrence throwing to Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, throwing it out of the backfield to Bijan Robinson, handing it to Robinson in the ETN. <laughs> score on you every damn time. That'll be enough. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, By the way, um, see this little thing completely off the beaten path on Bryce Harper? No. What happened with Bryce Harper? Uh, Was out in Phoenix for the Super Bowl. Apparently, he went to the 
Waste Management Phoenix Open. Is that what it's still called? I Is that still so, the sponsor? Yeah. Um, he was out there leading chance of E-A-G-L-E-S, right, and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's soaking up. The, the new city. He's a Philadelphia guy, yeah. right? He's out there. He's doing all that. So, you know, I'm guessing he went to parties. I don't know if he went to the game or not. So, he's leaving uh, in the airport, I guess, yesterday. I've been in that Arizona airport the, the Monday after a Super Bowl. Wasn't a pretty sight. <laughs> it was, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was tough getting out of there. We barely, we were delayed we uh, we had to fly west to go east. Uh, that was Phoenix to Los Angeles to Houston to Jacksonville was that flight. And we landed in, in Los Angeles, my first time in California, mm-hmm. feet on the ground for about 20 seconds. I mean, we, we're, we walked out of one gate, literally were within five minutes of the doors closing, fortunately, at the next gate oh. going to Houston. And it was, we just did a U-turn, like walked off. Turned around and walked right on mm-hmm. to the next one and wheels up and we're out of there. Anyway, Bryce Harper's at the airport. So somebody sees him and says, hey, um, can I get your autograph? He's like, sure. Didn't have a hat or whatever. Didn't have, you know. Nothing to sign. Obvious item to sign. Yeah. What do you think he signed? Uh, I, Did he have like any kind of. <laughs> I don't know. Huh? He's just in the airport. Take a guess. He's in the airport. What do you think he signed for a guy? He had nothing obvious to sign, and it was, you know, certainly Like a napkin or something in, like, a restaurant Like a there? restaurant napkin. What do you think Bryce Harper signed? Have you seen this story? Mm-mm. Okay, what do you think he signed? Or, like, his luggage or something? Man. His left shoe. His own left shoe. <laughs> Bryce Harper took his shoe, his shoe off. Oh, what? His own shoe. He took his shoe off. He signed it, and then he's like, here, take this. And he walked through the airport, one man, shoe and one man. sock. And they're all kind of photos of him uh, afterwards, just walking around all, all gimpy. Man, that's pretty cool. Man. That is pretty cool, right? Because he's probably got a shoe deal, right? So right. it's probably a, a, a he's, he's sweet not, pair of kicks. He doesn't have a shortage of shoes. There's no pro keds he's, he's slumming around no, in that's, right there. Um, that's setting a bar for these players right. in public, man. It's like right. Bryce just gave a guy a shoe. Gave you the shirt off my back. Well, Pony how about my shoe? Right. The shoe off my foot. Right, just Bryce, run into one of these What are you going to do with one shoe, though? You might as well just gave him both of the shoes. Guess what? He's going to call Nike or Adidas <laughs> and be like, send me 27 more pair of whatever I just gave away. We'll right. shove the other shoe in the bag and take out another pair of shoes. I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'll sock it. Yeah, I'll sock it uh, through the airport. He doesn't strike me as a guy with only one pair of shoes. How cool is that, though? Yeah, Seriously, no, like imagine awesome. if you saw. I mean, like Bryce Harper's a mega star. Yeah. Okay. Imagine if Fred Taylor's in the airport and you're like yeah. Freddie T, Freddie T, and Fred took off an article of clothing he was wearing, right, and signed it and gave it to you, like. What? No, that'd be nuts. That is pretty nuts. Good for Bryce Harper, man. Yeah. That's that's uh, absolutely pretty cool. And you can <laughs> just Google him, and you'll see him out there walking through the airport. One sock, one shoe. He's got a white shoe on, so it's hard to tell at first, but it's pretty clear. Uh, so he made it happen. <laughs> Good for him. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we'll look at the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day, talking about the best duos in Jaguar history. We'll weigh in on the other side. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL. 92.5 FM. You're listening to Jaguars Today with Mike Dempsey, with Tony Smith, and E.T. Come on, somebody. E.T. is playing the uh, music of love today. And the music of love leads to... Young kids running around like eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
That's a perfect combo right there, E.T. Appreciate that very much. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy anniversary to my sweet bride. 25 years of marriage You're a smart, today. smart man. I never forgot Valentine's Day. No, you didn't. Every, not in the last 25 years I haven't. Or your anniversary. No, I, do, I haven't. And although, you know, our major anniversary, we still celebrate April 6th uh, as the day we first kissed because I'm a romantic like that, E.T. That'll be 33 years in April. How about that? But uh, 25 years of marriage and uh, blissful, at least on my part. I, I've been happy. can't speak for my bride on that uh-huh. one. All right. Uh, today's Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day asked you in honor of Valentine's Day. What's the best duo or couple, if you want, uh, in Jaguars history? Present company excluded, meaning no, you know, and Despite the fact that we say that, people are, oh, what about Trevor and, and Peterson? Mm-hmm. That's why we excluded present company. And by the way, they're not the best duo in Jaguars history. Um, they may one day become that. Sure. But they just don't have enough work put in at this point in time. Maybe they project that way. So, uh, E.T., why don't you fire up that 1010 take, please? 1010 take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 1010 take. Brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. <sighs> this is tough, man. I mean, uh, Thunder and Lightning probably wins the day here, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're pulling just about half the votes here. It was pretty close between Jimmy and Keenan and Fred and MJD, but I, I think if you put Jimmy and Keenan at the top because they were here during a, a great period of winning for the team. Super amount of production. Jimmy made the most Pro Bowls of anyone in franchise history. Uh, Keenan, you know, together they made six as a duo. Uh, that's where my vote would go. But I think it's interesting. Like, I would probably put Coughlin and Brunel as number two. Because, you know, we talk about the Peterson-Lawrence connection. As long as we got the coach and the quarterback, that's what we need, right? Well, Coughlin orchestrated everything. He built everything from the ground up. And he went and traded for Mark Brunell, who was the quarterback during what is still the most successful run in Jaguars history. Two mm-hmm. AFC championship games, three-time Pro Bowler at the most important position in the sport. Uh, I would probably vote for them ahead of Fred and MJD. And Fred, look, Fred and MJD are great. And Henderson and Stroud were great as well. And they were impactful. Uh, and Henderson and Stroud, by the way, pulling in the third most amount of votes. Coffin and Brunell are distant fourth in terms of uh, – Duos, uh, how would you rank them? Who, uh, I would Jimmy and Keenan one. I'd probably go Fred and Mojo two. I'd probably Henderson and Stroud three and Coughlin Brunell four. Coughlin and Brunell four, yeah. which is basically the way the, the polling went. Yeah. Uh, boy. Does any of that early success happen? We don't know. You don't know. I mean, don't know. you could argue, yeah. would any of it happen without Jimmy and Keenan? Don't, you know, right? Without both of them, who's to say? <sighs> I just say, man, you know, I, I feel like most people 10 years from now think that this will be Peterson and Lawrence. So mm-hmm. it, certainly the coach quarterback combo can have a major impact, but we're projecting what the ultimate success will be. Two AFC championship games in a five-year and what in a four-year sure. span? Yeah, really. Um, Ninety-six, ninety-seven, ninety-nine, yeah. yeah. So that's tough. Uh, e. T. How would you rank these four options on the question of the day? Fred and Mojo one. I'm going Jimmy and Keenan two. Uh, Henderson and Stroud three. 
Coughlin and Burnell. Y'all just hate Coughlin, don't you? <laughs> it's just not <laughs> as sexy as the, the first It's not time. sexy, <laughs> but damn successful Yeah, uh, sure. it was. Uh, yeah, Fred and Mojo, by the way, 50.5% for Jimmy and Keenan in the vote uh, on the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day. Uh, Fred and Mojo got 34%. Uh, Henderson and Stroud at 10.3 and only 5.2% of about 300 votes uh, going to Coughlin and Burnell. And a number of other, and we read through some of the other ones that were suggested. Some good duos. I don't think they, uh, at this stage, knock any of that quartet out. No, probably, probably my favorite. Naoli and Manawai, clearly the best guard duo we ever had. And several mm-hmm. people mentioned Baselli and Searcy as uh, the best tackle combination. And, and Burnell and, and Baselli. Was an interesting one, yeah. as well. But uh, I'll, boy, it's tough, you know. But uh, Fred Taylor and Tavian Banks <laughs> right, coming in yeah. together. For- I do think, you know, and I'm not saying that this should be the main factor in voting on a poll like this, but I do think there is something to Jimmy and Keenan. Anytime they do anything together to this day, right? Like there's a pop. From it the is fan a, base it's a duo when those too. two guys right. do their thing and anytime you see Mojo and Fred like when Fred went on TV with Mojo like that's for Jaguars fans that's still special like those two guys being connected the way they are I think there is something to that and obviously Shroud and Henderson have that kind of thing I mean sure those two guys uh were banging around the AFC South for a while there uh I mean that was an era of football where you combine that with the Mojo and Fred, and they did overlap, right? And it's this, that era of Jaguars football where I don't know that they were ever going to be a team that was going to be capable of winning 12 games. And you even had that feeling while it was happening. But you knew every week they were going to bloody the nose of whoever they were Mm -hmm. playing, right? On both sides of the ball, you knew your team was going to be more physical than the team you were playing that week with the combinations that they had on offense and defense. And I I do think there's a, a pride uh, to Jaguars fans to still be able to look back at that era of Jaguars football. And those four guys certainly represent it and represent it very, very well. Yeah, no doubt. All right, look, they're all good choices. No doubt. Right? And that's why they've stood the test of time to this point. All right, uh, get ready to wrap things up. Let's say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the sports world spinning with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Matt Hayes is here. Hello, Matthew. Good morning, fellas. Um, draft talk uh, <laughs> is going to pick up, obviously, in the next couple of months, right? Uh, and it's always that debate, top talent, best player available versus need, or, you know, somewhat of a hybrid best player at a position of need kind of thing. What if the Jags are on the clock and clearly the best player on their board is B. John Robinson, running back, Texas? Do you consider him? I think they need a corner. Okay. I think they need someone opposite of Tyson Chief, Campbell. Chief right started uh, what, what it's such corners a pass drafted in which lead. rounds in the uh, – No, the I, get I get it. I get it. Of course, totally the running it. back came in the seventh round too. I'm just, I'm just talking about – And they have the best quarterback in right, the NFL. Right, but, but when we looked at it – from this standpoint, Chiefs have three obvious blue chip guys, right, that make coordinators on the opposite side stay up at night. Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, right? They have other good players, but three great players on that team. And and have you got to have the quarterback be one of them in today's day and age. Philly, we counted maybe about five of them right, right. now. Right now, you got Trevor Lawrence. Maybe Tyson Campbell will put himself in that category, but 
I mean, I think B. John Robinson has a chance to be a blue chipper at his position. You know, at a position where you could touch the ball a hell of a lot if you choose to give it to him. So you want know. two blue chippers at, at, at running back, basically. Well, I mean, is Travis Etienne a, an NFL blue chipper? I think he is, but I don't know for how long. I don't I don't know how long he's going to withstand the, the pounding he's going to get. That's part of it. Look at the depth chart. What's behind him? Nothing to speak of, right? He's only got two years left on his rookie deal at this point in time. I'm not trying to push him out or say this is even a likely scenario. I'm just looking at... Could you imagine the offense of Kirk Ridley, Jones, Ingram, Bijan Robinson, ETN around Trevor Lawrence? I'll give you guys a better one. Let's just say pick 16 arrives, okay? Mm-hmm. They're eight away. And Michael Mayer's still on the board. Do you trade up to no, get him? No way. Nope. No. 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 No, 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 no. You don't Not trade up at all. It's a loaded... Not if Ingram's back, no. Yeah, especially if Ingram's back. Now, yeah. if Ingram's back, it changes the calculus. I fully expect Ingram to be back. No way. Do I go? I mean, Man, I'd, so love many, I'd love so to see that offense with two in this draft. Oh, nah, nah. With an elite nah, guy. Went, nah, nah not, not me, man. I, I don't think it's – I don't think that offense is predicated on having two great tight ends. And when they won the Super Bowl, they didn't. You know, um, they had Ertz. Uh, Goddard hadn't arrived yet up in Philadelphia. Uh, but, no, not – Ingram's not, Ingram's not really a tight end. He's more of like a flex. Fine. Then then go get me uh, another blocking tight end that but I don't That's what Michael Mayer would be. But – I'm not spending the 16th pick in the draft on a guy mm. who's going to be my blocking tight end. No way. Well, I mean, he's also like the best receiving okay, tight give end. Me, give me Bijan Robinson, who I can hand it to him 300 times. You know what's and, fantastic? And he can catch Here's what's fantastic. 60. This is the best part about this, okay? Are you kidding me? We're arguing about two guys that aren't going to start anyway because the guys in front of them are better. Yeah. Uh, that's think, where you, you are think with ETN's this. better than Bijan Robinson? That's where you are with this. Yeah, I do. That's where you, you are, are with this vast minority. That's where you are with this franchise right now, which well, is a I mean, very there, good there's thing. There's no question you're not taking Bijan Robinson if you think he is not as good as Travis Etienne. I would think that 99 out of 100 NFL scouts would disagree with you. I think Bijan is. I mean, they're they're talking about it like the best in Saquon Barkley. The you know like a, a he's being projected in plenty of places in the top 10 this year. Um, I I don't think there's uh, I don't think many would feel that Etienne's a better option at the position. I, mean, I see production right now. That's it. I see one guy's production and one guy what could be. Well, and sure. That's just, right, and that, what, that's what just, did you see coming into this I mean, year? I mean, you saw a guy didn't play a single down in the NFL. You're talking about a guy that's 1,600 all-purpose yards. It's, uh, it's hard four, to say he's not. Well, all right, 1,400. Well, okay, but, you know, if we're going to – we're going to debate it. Let's get the number. I'm not right. jumping ship on ETN yet. Let's put it that way. I'm not jumping ship on ETN either, uh, but that doesn't mean he's the best running back in the Western Hemisphere. So, um, what do you guys have coming up today? It's Valentine's Day, which means it's Leon's love advice. Oh. <laughs> and we're also going to break down, of course, free agency and the draft with the Jags. All right. There you go. We talked about the favorite Jaguar duos of all time. Couples. Couples. Read it that way. Well, they're like duos. That. They're duos, nonetheless. Like no that. surprise, uh, Jimmy and Keenan come out on top. Matt, have a good show. All right, guys. All right, there you go. A uh, little mock draft uh, Tuesday action for you today. Glad mm-hmm. you played along with us tomorrow. Uh, we'll see what the day brings but as we continue to try to build towards uh putting together a Super Bowl caliber squad here in Jacksonville but we'll definitely focus in a little bit on Jawan Taylor tomorrow among other things uh, Mike Dempsey Tony Smith and ET we are done for the day this has been Jaguars today XL primetime coming up next on 1010 XL 92.5 FM Yo, Jacksonville.